Let me give you a scenario. You're invited to a party, but all you can think about is the fight that you got into with your spouse or significant other at the last party over drinking. Marriage. Marriage. The, the struggle, struggle is real. That's where the track goes. Okay. Welcome to the MTSR Podcast. My name is Juan. My name is Josie. And today we'll be talking about a thing called emotional allergies. Now, emotional allergies are similar to physical allergies or like an allergy to, I guess... Uh, Mesquite, mes- mountain cedar. Mountain cedar, pollen, peanuts, Um but this is a type of allergy that affects somebody emotionally. And what I mean emotionally is uh, having suffered a certain type of trauma, whether it's uh, a fight, a physical altercation fight, verbal, uh, or a verbal fight that ended up with somebody getting hurt or put in jail. Let me give you the actual... term of an emotional allergy emotional allergies negatively affect us the same way physical allergies affect us emotional allergies can be just as debilitating just like a physical allergy an emotional allergy is a hypersensitivity but the emotional allergy is something that happened to us in the past usually something traumatic yeah so exactly what i said (laughs) except she read it off the internet so and I just said it from the dome. You, know, you want to give them an example of an emotional allergy? An example of an emotional allergy? Or elaborate more? Uh, for instance, my allergy to my husband, anytime he speaks, I want to smack him. No, just kidding. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because we have the same allergies. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Uh, an emotional allergy that I've developed over the years from my spouse is to his drinking. Obviously, whenever he would drink, he would act crazy. Yeah, but I don't drink anymore. But that's that's an emotional allergy I developed. You told me to give you one. I'm giving you one. You are so feisty today. I am not. Yeah, you are. I'm just being me. Mean? Yeah, you are. Me. Oh, okay. Um, but... Yeah, I developed an emotional allergy when he did drink to his drinking because of the way he would act. He would, you know, get mad, get upset, scream, throw, hit things all the time. And so I developed an emotional allergy to where I would just go and lock myself in the room, didn't want to come out, didn't want to make sure the kids weren't around him. Every time he even took a drink. It didn't have to be five drinks. It was just one drink and it was like I just started feeling all the all the emotions that I felt from the last time he was drinking and the issues that we had or the fight we got into and so yeah that's that's an emotional allergy and and with these emotional allergies uh, you end up developing a complex on certain things or you end up op- like you, you end up hurting somebody and just like just like when you physically hurt yourself or hurt or someone gets physically hurt in general, 
you know, they are left with a, uh, a wound. So that wound is open, it hurts, it's bleeding, but with time it starts to heal. But with emotional allergies, it, the emotional allergy actually keeps the wound from closing and healing. Uh, metaphorically speaking, uh, it's just like whenever you think something's about to, you know, is, is getting better within the marriage or the relationship, and then all of a sudden uh, an emotional allergy, you know, comes into play, and it just seems like whatever action you did to cause that emotional allergy, it, it comes right back to that person, and it's almost like opening that wound I was talking about. It doesn't give it a chance to heal, so it's it it gets ripped open again, and it's hurts and it's bleeding, and it's it's all the you know all the bad stuff that we that that we don't want to feel, and it it what it ends up happening it, it ends up causing a lot of animosity and uh what's resentment. that resentment towards one another, and and it can really really be a very very hard barrier to get through within a relationship especially if the emotional allergy is caused by certain things like drinking or drugs or even cheating cheating or lying you know just i mean they can i mean you can develop an emotional allergy from pretty much anything and anybody now the question is is how do we get through those emotional allergies well my the the only i think the only answer for me was to stop drinking and uh i know i've mentioned in 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 the past uh about my running with the law and alcohol and i think that right there was kind of a wake-up call to let me know like hey you know you keep this up you're gonna end up you're gonna end up in jail or dead so I knew that if I kept, you know, kept drinking, I knew I couldn't control it. I, I knew I could control my drinking, but I knew I couldn't control the amount of drinking I was doing at a time. So I knew that I can't, I can't hold my liquor no more. So I might as well just stop drinking. And I did. And I've been, what, three years already mm-hmm. without a drink. So, I mean, I'm happy with it. My wife's happy with it, and the family in general is happy with it, and and I'm happy that they're happy. And I mean, I I I I used to miss it, I but I don't I don't think I do anymore. Like not drinking anymore led to other things, which I'll probably get into in a in a in a different podcast because today we're talking about emotional allergies, but. I know what I had to do in order to get past uh, certain things in our relationship, but you have to hear it from from Josie to understand more because I think the emotional allergies affected her more than it than than they did me. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm the one that developed the emotional allergy to the drinking, and I think it could be said for anything really that triggers a person um for instance you know the we see a lot of times the veteran that tends to 
close themselves off and they don't want to talk to people. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to be in public because, well, they just can't, they just can't see themselves around the people or a bunch of crowds or noise and parties and normal stuff that people go to. You know, I've noticed that, you know, basically he wanted to go to a party yeah, to hang out with friends and have fun, but a lot of that led to the drinking and then, oh, I could be myself and I can have fun and I could do what I want to do. But, you know, it just, it, it's just, that was the only way he was able to have fun. And whereas then I developed the allergy to the alcohol because I felt like, well, I don't have to drink to have fun. I can have a drink, even maybe two, and be okay and not freak out, not get upset, not start hitting things, not start crying. Because we used to drink together when, you know, we first got together and we, we started drinking and we had fun with it. But it just seemed, you know, that the more that it went on and the more drunk that we got, it got worse. And we got into fights and arguments and uh, damage to our house or things. Or he would leave and just, you know, not come back. I didn't know where he was. I was looking for him in the street. I think a lot of women, you know, men too. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to many men but I, I see that that's a huge, you know, allergy that most women develop. And then it comes to, oh, you can't understand, you know, the, the spouse can't understand why we are act the way that we act or why we get upset for certain things like, you know, the alcohol or even cheating or lying, things like that. So for me, it was just trying to help. It's what can I do to make things better? Obviously, I knew that the alcohol, um, leaving it alone was the best thing, but that was a fight in itself, you know, because, oh, well, I'm not a kid. Uh, You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. I can do whatever I want because I'm a grown man. That always came up and that was frustrating because it's like, I'm not trying to parent you. I'm not trying, you know, to to tell you what to do. It's just, I could see that it wasn't good for us in our relationship and for me. So I know that Sometimes I even gave in. I mean, there was not even sometimes. There was a lot of times like I'd be at the store and call and be like, well, do you want some beer? So I I contributed to it just as much as, you know, him wanting to go buy the beer and and things like that. But it just felt like I just, I just didn't want to have any part of it. I stopped drinking a long time, you know, before that for that reason because I just didn't feel that it was good for us. Um, because I would see how he would act and how he would get. And then eventually it just got to a point where he'd say, oh, well, you know, the neighbors asked us to come over. So-and-so wants us to come over. And all I could think about was why all you're going to want to do is drink. All you want to do is that crazy. And then I'm having to deal with all of that and the kids on top of everything else. So it just, it, it wasn't fun for me. So then I get the, well, you, you're not social. You, why don't you want to hang out with everybody? Well, because I developed these emotions that every time we did hang out, it always led to a fight because if I said something about some alcohol or something, then I was the one that got yelled at and got, you know, attacked for, for just trying to say what's going on or whatever the case is. Um, so slowly I just closed myself off and just figured like maybe the best way to stay away from it is just not be around it. It was hard, you know, not uh, for people to not understand what exactly I was going through, you know, obviously I've always looked at as, oh, well, you know, she doesn't want to hang out with us or she just want to have fun, but that wasn't the case. It just, it always turned, it always turned bad for the most part. 
um, because any little thing I said or did while he was drinking just led to a fight and I just didn't want to do it. I, I really didn't. Um, so when, especially getting a call that, well, Hey, you got to come bail me out of jail. That was the point where it was like, you know, I've put up with a lot. I, I've, I've, I've been yelled at, screamed at, you know, um, he's never, you know, been abusive towards me to say hitting me or anything like that. Cause thank goodness we've never gotten to that point. But, you know, it got to that point where something has to change and it has to change now because that point I never thought we'd get to out of all the things that we'd gone through. I never thought that I'd get a call saying, well, you need to come bail me out of jail. And at that point, especially not realizing what the reason was for, it was just come bail me out. And so I did, you know, say like, hey, you ever take another drink, then that's it. We're done. And that was because not I want to be done and I don't want to be with him. I just, I could, I can't deal with the drinking and the, the violence that came with it, the, the sadness, the depression, all of it, because it all came into play. And then on top of that, our kids seen all of this. So, you know, I, I but I was, I was afraid too, because I was like, well, he may tell me one thing, but he's not going to do it. And I really thought that, you know, well, he's going to drink again because that was so important to him. But so far in the three years, you know, he's had his moments, but he's been sober the whole time and he works on it. And yes, we still fight and argue, but it's nothing like it was back then. We're able to actually communicate better. He's able to understand that when I say something, I'm not just trying to bring him down or, or make him feel bad about stuff. I'm I'm just pointing out the things that, that are really happening around us. And he's been able to see better because uh, to me, the alcohol just clouded everything. It just made everything so much worse. So now he can actually see things and say, oh, okay, well, you know, you're not just trying to stop me or you're not just trying to parent me. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he sees that I'm trying to get to a point where we can communicate better for each other and then for our kids and be happy, not just this you know, this couple that went their own ways and did their own stuff. And, and cause I got to a point where I was like, you know what, y- you know, another side of the emotional allergies, like the, the not wanting to go anywhere not wanting to do anything after so, so many times of you saying, okay, well, I just want to stay home because my, my babe doesn't want to go and I don't want to be by myself and I want him there cause I want him to experience the fun with me. And I said, but after a while, you do get to a point where it's like, you know what? I love you and I want to be with you, but I got to live and I got to go do things. And I can't just sit around waiting for you to figure out that this is not a way to live. You're not really living. So, you know, that was a a way for me to get through some of the stuff that if he wanted a drink, I'd just go ahead and figure out something better to do with me and the kids or by myself and just say, hey, got to get away from this so everything everybody is different though obviously some people just start drinking with their significant other or whatever the allergy that you're developing is it turns like he said earlier to the resentment and you just don't want to deal with that person and that's where you say okay that's it I'm done we're breaking up it's over I think working through it talking because I still talk to him even though I felt like well it's gonna cause a fight but I tried my best to talk to him when he wasn't drinking so that way he could see that like, hey, all I'm trying to do is save our marriage, save what we have, which is the love that we feel for each other is always there. 
let's just try to get through all this stuff without it. Yeah, and like what what Josie was saying, I mean, when when she gave me the ultimatum, I had already made up my mind way before uh, when I was sitting in the jail cell waiting for her to pick me up. I told myself, uh, I'm not going to drink anymore. Um, this is the last straw. And I decided I wasn't going to drink. And I stayed true to my word. And I know she waited uh, waited for this for a long time for me to grow up, to be an adult, for me to be a man, for me to be a husband and a father that I should have been um, all those years. And now I'm... I'm realizing how much I actually missed uh, in my family's life. All, you know, certain things that, that I should have been a part of that I wasn't. And, and there's still times where I do I do feel like I don't want to go. But I force my, I, li- I literally have to force myself sometimes to go because I, I was so conditioned in in just staying home and not dealing with people and not dealing with, my family while we were out and it got to the point to when we when we would go out I would I would just get very anxious I would get angry I would just be snappy with them and I ended up I ended up developing uh kind of a a, almost like a weird emotional allergy for myself in a way because I wasn't I wasn't used to being around my family like I should have like I should have been and I couldn't deal with my family like I like like a normal husband or, or father should. And now, you know, I there's times where I, I you know, I said, like, yeah, I don't feel like going out sometimes. But and she understands. But there's there's other times where it's like, you know, I, I, I do need to go and, you know, and support my daughter, support my my sons and whatever it is that they're doing. And the same thing with Josie, you know, I need to support her with whatever ventures or, or whatever projects she's working on and and be there to support her. And at the same time, I also have to talk to people and socialize with people because, I mean, you can't sit in your house all day drinking or doing whatever it is that you're doing and expect, that, expect to get better because you're not. You're going to sit there, you're going to get worse, or, you, or, or you'll just stay the same. But... Nine times out of ten, you're going to get worse. And I know that I hadn't gone to jail. I think I'd still be drinking and doing the same things I was doing before. And I wouldn't have changed. Um, It's sad that it had to come to that. But on the upside, I've, I've learned to be more social. I've learned to be around people a little bit better. I'm, I still I still get anxious whenever we go out, um, but I have to like and she and Josie knows <laughs> she knows and 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 my daughter even my daughter knows like when we go out dad's gonna be a jerk probably for like the first thirty minutes <laughs> to an hour until he finally gains his bearings and and then he's fun he's dad after and or husband after that so you know it it's it's it takes a lot of time to to work on yourself and to work on on being a normal human being again it's 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 really it's really difficult and doing it sober is even i think even harder because <laughs> before i i would every time we'd go out I'd, I'd have a drink or two or three or four we'd go what to like olive garden mm-hmm. and i'd have at least two 
Long Island, Long Island iced teas or a couple of beers while I was there, you know, just to limber up, loosen up. And, you know, once I had some, some liquor in me, I was fine. You know, I, I was Mr. Sociable, but. It was that expectation though. You knew that you were going to have a drink. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot, a lot, a lot for people that, that don't want to go anywhere don't want to do anything you will if you know there's alcohol there or there's that whatever it is that you need to feel better you know and and, you know touching on what you said as far as like you know as a spouse we wait for you to come home we we don't know we don't know what you go through and we couldn't possibly ever put ourselves in our in your shoes unless you've been in the military and you've had to go overseas or you've had to be in a war zone, we, we don't know what that feels like and we never will. And so I think sitting home though, and as they say, holding down the fort, waiting for you to come home, waiting for you to just be there and you go to activities. I can still remember walking through the mall, being about seven months pregnant with our first kid and seeing you know, all the other husbands with their wives walking by, holding hands, happy. Life seemed great, but I was alone because my husband was deployed or my husband was overseas. And so, you know, as a spouse, you sit there and you think of all the things that you're going to do when you come home. And one of those things isn't fighting 24-7. One of those things isn't, you know, getting mad because I asked you to take out the trash or, or, or the, the things that we've expected you guys to be home for everyday normal daily activities so we wait and wait and then instead of having that happy ever after we get the person that's gone through hell and back and is back but doesn't want to live doesn't want to push forward doesn't want to do those everyday things that oh you just prayed for every day that they just got to come home so it makes it hard for both sides. You know, I, I can understand now how it must have been for you. But then it, it, it felt very unfair. It felt very like, what did I wait for? Like, did I really wait for you to come home just so you could <laughs> call me names? So you can treat me like crap and, and, and make our kids feel unhappy? Like... You know, and so it's hard. It's hard from a spouse's point of view because, you know, we get so excited. Those welcome homes are awesome. They're the best part of of anything, I think, you know. And, and then to have the after of fighting and arguing and, and stuff that, you know, we're just sitting here going, what happened? Like, you know, I, I always said, I don't care how you come home. And I mean that. I meant that I know some soldiers come home and, and, and some female soldiers come home and they've had very traumatic things happen to them physically. But the emotional, I think, sometimes is a lot harder to deal with than anything else. And so I didn't expect that. I really didn't. I expected you to come home. And I said, as long as you came home, I didn't care that we would work through anything and do anything to get through the tough times, but I never expected the emotional side of what, what, what happened to you. And so, you know, it's hard. And unless you're talking to someone, unless you're, you know, as a spouse, unless you're, you're talking to somebody that understands, you feel all alone. You feel like, you know, exactly what I said earlier. Why did I wait? Why did I wait that whole time for you to come home just to treat me like crap? 
And a lot of people give up. A lot of people feel like, what's, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, and that's, it's, it's understandable. It really is. But, you know, if you, if you, if you at least try, and that's what I've always told you is just try and, and work through it and, and talk to me and communicate because then at least I know that we're both working towards the same thing. But if, if you just shut down and you just drink and you just run away from your problems, it's not going to solve anything and it's not going to take care of anything. And that's where a lot of marriages fail or a lot of relationships fail. And we'll, we'll go ahead and leave you with that thought just to think about what we, what we spoke about as far as emotional allergies and how they affect your spouse and, and the family as a whole and even yourself. Um, because believe it or not, just because they affect others doesn't mean that they don't affect you as well. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But before we go, we want to leave you with some resources. The Semper Five Fund. The Semper Five Fund is one of America's highest rated charities that's dedicated to providing urgently needed resources and support the post 9-11 combat wounded, critically ill, and catastrophically injured members of the United States Armed Forces and their families. You are not alone. From injury through recovery, comprehensive programs improve the lives of wounded veterans and address the unique needs of their immediate families. The Semper Fi Fund provides programs such as the Program Areas of Assistance, Bedside Financial Support, Housing Assistance, Transportation Assistance, Adaptive Equipment, Caregiver Support and Retreats, Kids Camps, Canine Program, Horsemanship Program, Transition Program, and many more. For more information, go to SemperFiFun.org. A little something to remind you if you get into a fight and you feel that a lot of things are being said and it's all one-sided or the other person doesn't understand how you feel. There's always three sides to every story. Your side, their side, and then what really happened. If you're a veteran that's in crisis or knows a veteran who is, call the Veterans Crisis Line. The Veterans Crisis Line connects veterans in crisis and their families and friends with qualified caring Department of Veterans Affairs responders through a confidential toll-free hotline, online chat, or text. Veterans and their loved ones can call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat online or send a text to 838-255 to receive confidential support 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Support for deaf and hard of hearing individuals is available. You can also visit the website at www.veteranscrisisline.net. Think about what we said, take from this what you can, and if you find anything in here that is worth sharing, please do so. You can follow us on social media at MTSR Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and our Facebook page. I'm Juan. I'm Josie. And thank you for listening to the MTSR Podcast.